Good morning, everybody. Uh, what a great testimony. What I love about uh, you, Jacob, is your laugh. <laughs> I think you should just come up and laugh a little more. I think, you know, there's, there's something quite powerful about that. It's, and I don't mean this disparagingly, but it's like a little kid. And I love that. I really do. It's like, <laughs> God is good. Oh, he is good, isn't he? Come on. All right, how many people actually felt God do something in their body just then? Yeah, put your hand up really high so I can see. Um, okay, fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Jake, what was up with you? Back pain. Is it, is it all gone or is it way down? Okay, and it, Kim, how about you? Yay, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. That's amazing. How many of you didn't have any, uh, any sense of God's healing touch? Okay, you can put your hand up because there was probably more of you that stood than, uh, than are now saying, uh, I don't want to, you know. Okay, well, how about this? Let's, let's, uh, all of you that still need a miracle, I want to invite you up to stand again, please. He's the God of the 100%, right? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible says. And so if he was a, a healer when he all walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, he's a healer today, right? Okay, church family, I want you to stand up and w- gather around some people that need, to be, need prayer. Lay hands on them. Um, Mark chapter 16, Jesus says these signs will accompany those who believe. One of those signs is that they will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. James chapter 5 says that if we lay hands on the sick, they will be healed. So come on, let your faith stir right now. Speak to them. Release the blood of Jesus over them. It's the most powerful force. Kingdom of God, come. Kingdom of God, come. Lord, every place, every place, every person, every body that needs healing, every touch, every body, touch them right now in Jesus' name. Kingdom of God, come. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, come. Lord, would you rebuke every sickness here? We stand with you, Jesus, and we say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord drive you out. Every bit of sickness, go right now. Every germ, every virus that's demonically inspired, leave in Jesus' name. We cast out every spirit of infirmity in Jesus' name. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Go, go. In Jesus' name. Kingdom of God, come. Ah, healing, let it flow. Let it flow. Lord, those that need a creative miracle, I thank you that you're the creator God. Whether there's body parts that need to be recreated or whether there's things that need to be expanded or, or just made new, kingdom of God, come. Okay, ask him to check it. Okay, any improvement, anybody? Ash, great. Anyone else? Tiff, yeah, come on. More over there as well. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's just give the Jesus a shout. Woo! Come on. 
Okay, but listen, who still, don't sit down. If you, you can stay standing if you would for a minute, please. Who still has a need for healing in their body? Fully? Okay, he's the God of the 100%, so let's have another go. Hey, listen, if you just come to church and don't experience and encounter God, then we're just as good as a club and we might as well all go home. So come on. The Lord is here. He's powerful to heal. He's present amongst us. We've already seen some people getting some, some movement and, and he's been healing some, to some degree. Now let's go for the 100% again. Stand up if you need healing. Put your hands up. Gather around them. Lay your hands on them again. Release the anointing. You know that you're dangerous. That You are armed and dangerous. You're full of God if you know him. If you've made Jesus your Lord. If you know the Holy Spirit, healing belongs to you. Kingdom of God come. Abba. Abba. Kingdom of God come. Kingdom of God come. Healing. Let the love of the Father flow. Let the love of the Father flow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're the God that doesn't just love in word, but that you love in deed as well. I thank you that you love to demonstrate your love for us through healing our bodies, for doing things to, for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Kingdom of God come. Love of heavenly daddy be done. Let the will of God be done right now. Okay, and in further movement, anybody taking it up to another level? Ash, come on, Jesus. He's got to sit on a plane this evening, so we need a knee to be healed. Yes. Anyone else? Wave, wave, wave your hands at me if you've got some more healing. Come on, let's just give Jesus a shout. Okay, I'm just going to ask those of you, okay, Ash, Ash, what's happening with you? Let's just get a little check-in. So I had an old knee injury that just flared up yesterday. I had a lot of pain in the, around my knee and in the back and the joints and all the ligaments, but it, it, and it was tight, but it's much better. Like, I, I it's just the... A tiny little bit of pain, which is much better than it was. I was limping even just yesterday, but it feels so much better. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Oh, we are. Jake, what's been happening with you? Sorry, I'm just going off script here. But What's been happening? Um, I'm a conservative, and I wake up every morning leaning to the left, and that's not good. I think, I, I think I'm standing straight right now, am I? Yeah? Am I leaning to the right a little bit? Or? Okay, okay. Stand straight. Don't lean to the right or to the left. Stand straight in Jesus. No pain right now, no pain. Yeah. No pain at all. 
How long have you had the pain for? Two years. Two years. Two years, and you have no pain at all? I have no pain right now, no pain. Oh, come on, Jesus. Ah, oh, come on. Okay, who, who, I want to invite everybody that still needs a miracle to stand. I'm making, going to make it really awkward. Okay, everyone that still needs a miracle, if you'd like to stand. Thank you, Lord. Let's just stretch out your hands. I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you are the healer. I thank you that you've given us authority, delegated to us because we're in Christ Jesus. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that when the Bible says that we will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed, it's true because your word is true. I thank you that it rests on the finished work of Christ and the solidity of, the, of God's promise that is sure like the ground that we stand on. And so, Lord, we stand with you, Jesus, and we say the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Every bit of sickness leaves everybody now in Jesus' name. And we release the life and the wholeness of heaven right now from head to toe. Everything that is out of alignment, we declare divine alignment now in Jesus' name. We release the anointing that breaks the yoke of oppression. The anointing comes upon each one of you right now in Jesus' name. Spirit of God, come and bring healing and breakthrough right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Kingdom of God, come. Come on. Come on. It's the blood of Jesus. I think sometimes we underestimate the blood of Jesus. It's sufficient to pay for the penalty of every sickness and every sin ever known from every man from A to Z. And it speaks a better word than every doctor's diagnosis. It speaks a better word than every, every um, diagnosis that's been put over you. I can't think of the word other than diagnosis, but so that'll do. So the blood of Jesus washes you clean and sets you free. We declare Psalm 105, Psalm 103, I should say. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. I want you, those of you that are standing, I want you just to speak that over yourself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives me of my sins, who heals me of my diseases. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord. Let everything that's within me bless his holy name. Bless your holy name, Lord. Bless your holy name. Just, just all across the congregation, I want to invite you just to start blessing his holy name. Just speak out, I bless you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. Father, I worship you. You are so beautiful and so wonderful. We bless you. I bless you, Lord. All that's within me, bless your holy name. I praise and worship you. All that's within me, blesses your holy name. I speak of your goodness and your majesty. You're the great God. You're the great King. You're the Messiah. You're the champion. You're the Savior. You're the Lord. You're the Redeemer. You're the one who's reconciled us to God. You're the one who brings your vision and purpose and and destiny to our lives and we love you and we worship you. You've lifted us up from the miry clay and you've set our feet upon a rock. Come on. Thank you, Jesus.
Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I've been reading um, a book over the last um, few days. Actually, it's a number of books about William Branham. I don't know if many of you know who he he is, but he was um, born in 1909, died in 1965, um, but particularly from 1949 to about um, 1955, he had an incredibly amazing gift of healing. In fact, he started, I think he would probably be one of the the four fathers in in that generation of the gift of healing, which obviously then um, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, others, you know, uh, walked in that. But but he was, in a sense, he seemed like he was one of the pioneers. And, um, and he had this, God gave him two signs, two gifts. The first gift was that he, when he touched people with his left hand, he could experience or see what the disease was, and then he could pray, and they would, and he would know whether it, whether it was gone. The second was that uh, it came later on in his life was that actually when he looked at people, he had a vision. The Holy Spirit would show him exactly what was wrong with them, and what had happened, and where it had come in, and a whole load of specific details. He would go into a vision, and then he'd get people. Then he'd pray for people, and they'd get healed. That's in that's just last century, right? And I tell you what, it's put, a, it's put an absolute fire in me for the more of God. It's put an absolute fire in me because I thought to my, I think to myself, if, you know, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews somewhere at the end, right? 13, that's what I thought. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, anyway, I'll give you that. It's in the right vicinity, right? It's in that ballpark. If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, do we believe that? Four of us believe that? Okay, that's good. Excellent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 13.8. Thank you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Come on. Okay, so if Jesus is the same when he was on the earth, walking around 2,000 years ago and he was healing, it means he's the same today, which means he's the healer, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't see enough of that healing manifest. To Peter chapter 1, it says this, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who's the ours that he's talking about? He's, this is Peter the Apostle who's writing and he's saying to the, to the, to, to the people he's writing to, you, we, you have obtained a faith of equal standing to the Apostles. Do you know that you have a faith of the same standing as the Apostle Peter? Peter. 
you have a faith of the same quality of the, of the Apostle Paul. I love it when you know, Jacob prayed and he said, you know, silver and gold I don't have. He's referring to Acts 3, you know, when, when Peter and John are at the gate beautiful and they see the guy and they, they pull him up. What I do have, I give you in, Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. We have the same faith as the apostles. Wow. Wow. How? By the righteousness of God our Savior. Because their, their faith wasn't their faith anyway. Their faith was the faith of Jesus Christ manifest in them. The same God who was, you know, Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, releasing his faith by the righteousness of Christ into the apostles is the same Jesus who's releasing the apostles' faith, which is Jesus' faith because he's the original apostle, and he's releasing it into our hearts. We have the same faith as Jesus Christ. We have the same faith of the, of the apostles. Hebrews 3 says that Jesus is our the apostle and high priest of our faith. He's the sent one. He's the one who releases faith and life to us. Ha. Huh. So if we've received the same faith as Jesus, we probably ought to exercise it. And I'm speaking to myself. Well, I am. I'm definitely speaking to me. I might be speaking to you too, but I'm speaking to me as well. That faith comes not because of our own goodness, not because of our own righteousness, not because of our own power, not because of the good things that we've done or the way that we've managed to do things. You know, it comes through faith, the faith of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God, our Savior. You know that you're righteous. Yes? You're righteous. You might not feel righteous because you might feel more conscious of the sin that you committed on the way to church or the way that you got grumpy with your wife or you shouted at your children or you looked at somebody that was walking past when you shouldn't have done or whatever. You might not feel righteous. Right? You might have got really angry as you, you know, you're driving and, and somebody cut you off and you're like, you, do you want to get angry with them and shake your fist and then hope afterwards that they don't go to the same church that you do? I always drive really cautiously between my house and the church building. <laughs> Particularly the closer I get to the church building. They're like, are they following? Oh, do I know that car? What's happening? But the faith of equal standing with the apostles doesn't come through our righteousness. It actually comes through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. His righteousness has become our righteousness. That's the good news of the gospel. That is the gospel right there, that in Christ Jesus, all of our sins have been paid for. All of our guilt has been atoned for. All of our shame has been taken away. And we are the righteousness of God. One, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become what? The righteousness of God. Wow. Wow. Lord, teach us what it really means to be the righteousness of God. Which is actually to believe in faith and to step in 
to do the same works that Jesus did. To pray in faith and believe God that when we pray, when we lay hands on the sick, that they will be healed. To pray in faith that when we need wisdom and answers for the problems of the world, that the the dew of heaven, the, the blessing of heaven will flow through us, to us, and we'll be able to release the strategy and wisdom of heaven. Every need that this world has, the answer is found in Christ Jesus. Every need that this world has, therefore, the answer is found in you. Because you have Christ Jesus on the inside of you. And you are the righteousness of God. And I'm starting to believe it. Duncan preached last week on um, John 20, 21. He, left, he finished in, in John 20, 21. It says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus was the original apostle sent by heaven to come to the earth to reveal the Father, to reveal God's love, the quality of God's love, to, not just to speak of it, but to demonstrate his love. And then Jesus is saying, and he's saying this as he's about to go and ascend into heaven, he's saying, as the Father sent me in the same way, in the same, same like manner, as, an, as a, with the apostolic sphere and thrust of heaven, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. In the same way that the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Do you know that you have been commissioned to go in the same way that Jesus went? That's sobering, isn't it? Because I look at my life and I think to myself, Jesus, I want a whole lot more of you to be manifested in my life. And I think, I was thinking about this last week and been thinking about it all week. Jesus, how did the Father send you? How did the Father send you? If, if Jesus is sending us like, he sent, like the Father sent him, how did the Father send Jesus? And therefore, Jesus, how are you sending us? And where are you sending us? Well, the where is, I think, pretty straightforward and obvious. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus said in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, as you go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, Right? The where is the Father sending Jesus was straightforward into the world, into every sphere, every, every person, every uh, place that he went, experienced the kingdom of God. Where is God sending you? Where is God sending you? Tomorrow morning, he's sending you into your job. Maybe this afternoon, he's sending you into your job. He's sending you into your home. He's sending you into the supermarket. He's sending you into your neighborhoods. He's sending you into the world just like he sent Jesus into the world, right? So the destination is pretty straightforward. Although sometimes I think we get hung up on the destination because we think he's sending us to the church. And actually, I mean, the church is in the world, like physically. But it's not the only place we've been sent to. Actually, the primary place we've been sent to 
is the world around us. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, as you go, my phone's buzzing at me. As you go, as you go, as you go. In other words, as you go on Monday, as you go on Tuesday, as you go, as you go, the Father has sent Jesus, so I'm sending you as you go. So how did the Father send Jesus? Well, I think, I mean, there's, there's many things you could touch on, but I, I think I'm going to spend a bit of time over the next few weeks as I get to preach in my, my slots on, on, on this. And I think there's at least three things. The first thing that Jesus um, was sent by the Father was he was sent in dependence. He was sent with the heart of a child, right? The second thing I think he was sent with was that he was sent to give, your, give his life away. And then the third thing he was sent with, he was sent in power and authority to bring heaven to earth. He was sent with the heart of a child to be dependent on his father. He was sent to lay his life down and give his life away. And he was sent with the power and authority, the backing of heaven. Jesus is saying, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. I'm sending you in dependence. I'm sending you to lay your life down. I'm sending you with power and authority. That's good news. That's our commission. That's what we've been called to. So let's have a look at dependence. I'm going to just focus on this for this uh, little while left. So in Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 18, uh, in verse 1, at, the, at, this, at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Huh? Jesus. That would be the answer. Sunday school, remember? The answer to every question in Sunday school is always Jesus. Right? Well, the Father's the greatest, then Jesus, right? So the first thing is, he's saying, unless you humble yourself like a little child, you'll never get into the kingdom. Whoever humbles himself is the greatest. Who was the greatest? Jesus. That means that therefore Jesus came in humility, humbled himself like a child. We know that already, don't we? In the sense of the Christmas story is about him coming as a child, but not just, not just physically and then growing up, but actually staying and maintaining a place of dependency and uh, connection with the Father, right? That's what it means. I think that's what Jesus is saying here is to say you have to become like a little child. Well, what's a little child? And the word actually here is, um, uh, what is it? Pidon. And Pidon literally means a little child in training. So that's like Raya, um, Karis down here, who's born on Christmas Day. So what, she's nine, just 10 months, coming up for 10 months. She's a little child in training, right? She's being trained how to smile and laugh at me. She's been trained how to take, you know, how to ask for her, you know, what she needs. She's been trained uh, to see people and to know them and to experience them and to love them, to see people that she loves, to, to, to run away from danger. She's probably not run, but shuffle. 
She's on that train. She's on the journey of being trained. She's a little, she's a, she's a pied-on. She's a child that's in the process of being trained. So Jesus is saying, become like a little child. Well, I think about a child is they are entirely dependent upon their parents for everything. I mean, that's probably the most obvious thing about a child. The saddest thing is when you find small children who are out on the streets who, have, who are having to just fend for themselves. Actually, every child should be entirely dependent upon its parents, their parents, to give them everything that they need, right? Little children, they don't know everything. They trust their parents. They don't worry. Hopefully, they do what their parents tell them to do, although sometimes they're a little naughty. They live in joy and wonder. They're learning all the time. They don't live in a, I've arrived. They live in the love of their parents, and they're always hungry. Right? It's true, isn't it? Always hungry, obedient. Jesus is saying, this is what you need to be like to be great in the kingdom of heaven. This is what you need to be like. You need to humble yourself, and you actually need to See yourself as a little child, entirely dependent upon your heavenly Father. Entirely dependent upon him for his salvation, for his righteousness, for the blood of Jesus to take away your sin and to cleanse you of your guilty conscience. Entirely dependent upon him for uh, purpose and destiny for your life. Entirely dependent upon him for provision, for for healing, for breakthrough, for freedom, for joy, entirely dependent upon him for vision, entirely dependent upon him to give you your assignment, to know what to do every day, entirely dependent, right? That was Jesus. John, 5, John chapter 5, verse 9, he says this, the son, speaking of himself, can do nothing of himself but only what he sees the father doing. In John 5, 30, he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative, Wow. Jesus there demonstrating, I've come with the heart of a child. I've come to be one who's dependent. I can do nothing of myself. All I can do is I can do what I see my father doing. I don't do anything of my own initiative. I don't start anything that the father hasn't told me to start. I don't stop anything that the father hasn't told me to stop. I'm dependent upon him. He gives me my marching orders. He shows me what to do and then I do it. Because then he goes on to say in Matthew 5, 20, that which he shows him, he, the son does in like manner. In other words, I'm perfectly obedient. I'm dependent upon my father to see what my father's doing. When I see what my father's doing, I then step in to do the very same thing that he's called me to do. I'm completely dependent. I'm completely obedient to doing what the father shows me to do. That's the heart of a child. Because if it was me, I'd be like, okay, Lord, I've got this. You know, you could come a bit later, but I know what to do here. You know, that's what the disciples were operating under, right? 5,000 people need food. Uh, Lord, send them away because we're not going to find any food here. This is going to cost too much money. Thinking on the earthly plane, not thinking, what's the Father doing at this point? Another 4,000, same scenario. You would think they would have got it, but I'm probably slower than they are, so. He's dependent. All his miracles, all his activity, everything, even where he lived, dependent upon the Father. Remember he said, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Comes to paying taxes, 
Peter says, hey, Lord, they need the tax, the temple tax. And he says, okay, Peter, here's what you do. I see the father, this is what he's doing. He's gone fishing. Peter, go fishing. Find the first fish, pull it out. You'll find two coins in there. Take that for you and for me. Clothing. Matthew 6, he's saying, look, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And he's probably look, walk, looking around as he's been walking to Galilee and back to Judea and up to Galilee and down to Jericho and across the lake and round and everywhere. And he's looking at his own clothes and his sandals and his short, you know, his garments. And he's like, Lord, I'm trusting you for this. I'm dependent, he probably didn't wear shorts. I'm dependent upon you in the same way that I'm telling others I'm trusting, practicing what I preach. He's dependent upon relationships. Before he chooses the 12 apostles, he goes up onto the mountainside and he prays. And, he, and the Lord shows him, these 12 people, I want you to take these 12 men, even though one of them is going to betray you, take them anyway and live with them for three years and sow your life into them and make them little children in training as well. All of his miracles, even his future, living his whole life in the shadow of the cross and then getting to Gethsemane and saying, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but yet not my will, but yours. Talk about humility. Talk about living with the heart of a child to his father. So the first place that we have to learn to be like a child, to humble ourselves actually comes in what we call salvation, in knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because the truth is, if you're full of yourself, there's so much, so much of the world, what we're, what we're looking for is to make a name for ourselves, to make us somebody, to do something, to have the right job, to have the right relationships, to have the right family, to wear the right clothes, to go to the right schools, to, to live in the right part of town, to all these things that we're looking for, you know, have, have, be the nicest person, be the kindest person, be good, do all those things that we're looking for, some meaning and some sense and some purpose in our lives. But the truth is, you're never gonna be great until you humble yourself. And to humble yourself comes and says, Lord, all the, things that, all the things that I've been relying upon up till now to make myself good, I realize are rubbish. And what I really need is I need you. You know, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 in the Beatitudes, Jesus is he's teaching, you know, he's coming, he's announcing the kingdom of God is here in Matthew chapter 4. He says the kingdom of God is near. And there's a beautiful summary that says in Matthew 4 that he's gone around healing all the sick and everyone that was oppressed. And then he sits down with his disciples and he says, hey, let me tell you about the kingdom. And it's, he starts with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And that poor in spirit to me is similar. It's that, that word poor actually means to be a beggar to the extent that you are unable to sustain yourself and you have to beg for food elsewhere. You are entirely dependent upon someone else to sustain you. Little child in training, beggar. Whatever you call it, the way into the kingdom is to humble yourself and to recognize your need and to Acknowledge that you can't live the perfect life that God requires and acknowledge that you need a savior and see that you have one in Jesus Christ and to humble yourself and to say, Lord, I no longer want to be Lord of my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. That's the gate. That's the door into the kingdom of God. You want to be great, you need to humble yourself. 
But it's not just when you get in, that's, that, then you've, that's your ticket, and then you can go back to being de- dependent upon yourself. No, it, it, you're you know, independent from God. Actually, the, the whole life that we've been called to is a life of dependence, right? That whole life that we've been called to is blessed are the poor in spirit, which says, Lord, in this situation, I don't know what to do. In this situation, I don't know how to respond. In this situation, I haven't got what it takes, but you have it. And the glorious thing about that is that when we go low, we get the kingdom. When we humble ourselves, we receive the kingdom. Jesus didn't just come looking like a baby, eating dust all of the time, going, just humbling himself. In his humility, he was actually exalted. In his humility, he brought about the kingdom of God. In his humility, looking up to see what the Father was doing, being dependent upon the Father, actually released heaven to earth. The mandate to release heaven to earth that Jesus told us to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. The, 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 the calling that Jesus came with from the Father as he was sent by the Father was, go and manifest my love, go and manifest my kingdom, go and destroy and demolish the works of the enemy. Right? Go into all the world and make disciples and destroy the works of the enemy. Make them nil, render them utterly powerless, reverse them, right? And so his, so, so his calling to dependence wasn't just come and be dependent and have a little normal life. The dependency was come and be dependent and I will give you the most phenomenal, glorious, powerful, earth-shattering, uh, glory-shifting life you could imagine, Right? Because it's the kingdom. Jesus is saying theirs is the kingdom. What's the kingdom? Well, it's healing and it's deliverance and it's freedom and it's insight and it's wisdom and it's strategy and it's life and so many, so many more things. It's the kingdom of God. The manifest presence of God, the will of God being shown and being known around, the will that came to seek and to save the lost, being manifested to us, through us and around us. To have the heart of a little child actually is to say, my daddy's big enough. It's actually to have the heart of a little child is to step into a work situation on Monday morning where you've got a problem where you maybe you don't have, you know, you have a, you're running out of contracts and you need, your company needs more revenue for that, for a particular contract and to step in on a Monday morning and say, okay, I'm a little child, Lord, I'm dependent upon you. What are you doing now? Okay, what's the strategy that you want to release to me? What, what do you want to release into my life right now so that I can see the prosperity and the blessing of God come to my company? Because your word says that if I seek the welfare of the places that I am, then, then I'm going to be blessed. So, uh, so Lord, Monday morning, what is it that you want to release? Where's the wisdom and strategy from heaven that you want to pour out right now today? Or we see somebody, as, we, as Jacob did on, on the, in the mall, hobbling along with a sore ankle. Lord, what do you want to do? I see you're a healing God. Okay, let me go and pray for them. Let me see their lives transformed because they're being, the manifest love of God is touching them and changing them and bringing healing to their bodies. Come on, to say that we are called to be dependent and we're called to be little children is actually to say that we've been enlisted into the army of God with all of heaven's resources backing us, supporting us. Because you know that the Father is always working. That's what Jesus said. 
My father is always working. So I'm, I'm going to do the works. He's always working. He's always moving. A dependent child looks into heaven and sees what he's doing and then runs with that. An independent child just carries on doing their own business. And so how do we develop this dependence? Well, good question. So probably a lifetime of learning how to do that, right? Receiving the Holy Spirit, creating space for the Holy Spirit, Learning to trust and to receive by feasting on the Word of God. You know, you trust somebody when you know them. So the more you know someone, the more you know of their good character, the more you're likely to trust them. How do we know more of who God is? Well, we feast upon the Word. Because that shows us who He is. And then we experience His love and His presence by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're learning to trust and to receive, to trust when he says, hey, Murray, I want you to go and pray for that person, to trust that it's actually going to be okay and that he's going to do what he promised to do. To be able to learn to take a moment in the busyness of life and to say, okay, Jesus, I'm leaning back into your arms. There's a whole lot of pressure going on around me. What do I need to receive in this moment? Renewing our minds. Living in the finished, learning to live in the finished work of Christ and to trust in the righteousness of God and not to judge ourselves for not being this or not being that or failing here or failing there. But to stand in the righteousness of Christ that says, I am worthy, I'm accepted, I belong. Not by my own effort, but because of the precious blood of Jesus. But then in that place saying, search me, O God. I had this moment a few weeks ago. I had a couple of moments where I realized that I had sort of got a little independent. And there was a couple of parts of my heart that were really um, closed off to some particular people. You know, and, I, and when I would see them, I'd be like, the walls would go up. Have you ever experienced that before? You know, and you just know it's ungodly, but you just can't help yourself, Right? Because there's something deep that's going on on the inside and, 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 and you know, happens to the best of us and the worst of us, right? And I'm, as I'm, I'm there and I start to just talk to the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden I realize that actually in that place where I'm putting the wall up, I'm putting a wall up because I don't trust him to take care of me in that situation. And so I have to put a wall up to keep myself safe. All right, and so I'm asking the Holy Spirit, uh, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. And he comes in and he says, hey, you've got this wall up because you're acting like an orphan in that area. Because you don't trust me to take care of you. Oh, Lord, I repent. Take that wall down. In that place of, you know, the other thing that, that really came up for me was fear. You know, I, I've, I've dealt a lot over the years with the fear of man and fear of failure and fear of lots of things. And, uh, but a few weeks ago, I just felt the Holy Spirit. As a, you know, one of my favorite but most dangerous prayers is this search me, O God prayer. And I felt the Holy Spirit just putting his hand on me and saying, hey, you're living short of, of, of the dependence that I've called you to. You're living short of the life that I've given you because there's fear here and here and here. And I had a really, really good cry actually bawled my eyes out because the root of it was about abandonment and rejection. 
because I wanted people to like me. I, you know, I don't, I, I mean, it's one of those things, it's the onion layers, right? Because you've done this, here we go again. Uh, abandonment again, yes. Oh, rejection again. Yes, I thought we dealt with that, but yes, another layer. Oh, glory. Yes, joy. You mean it's deeper than I thought? Oh, brilliant. Right? Rejoice, yeah. And so you get down another layer. Isn't the basement, haven't we got to the bottom of the basement yet? But, he, what he's, but there, no, there's fear and there's rejection. The fear comes from you're fearful of being rejected. Because if you get rejected, you'll feel abandoned. And that will be too hot, too much for you. Now, the truth is I'm never abandoned because the Holy Spirit's with me. But my sense of abandonment or my fear of abandonment actually stops me from stepping into and being obedient to all that God's called me to be. And so that's, you know, part of how do we grow in dependence is actually to say, Lord, take every bit of hindrance and every blockage that's in my life, everything that's stopping me, that's in my mind, that's stopping me from entering into the fullness of who you've called me to be, would you clear it out of the way, please? Oh, and by the way, I'm depending upon you for that as well. Because we might have some prayers and we might have this and we might have that, but really, you're the healer, so you come and take away all that you need. One of my other favorite prayers at the moment is in Psalm 86, Lord, unite my heart that I might fear your name, that I would worship you with a whole heart. In this, the journey of going on the healing actually never stops. So trusting and receiving, renewing our minds, and then just actually, not final two things. Is one is pray, 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 pray. How do we experience more of the dependence upon God? I think Jesus experienced or demonstrated his dependence by the amount that he prayed. Because it's just a simple request of coming to daddy and saying, hey dad, I need this. Would you take care of that? Could you help me with this? Could you please do that? Dependence of a little child. And then finally, faith. Not the wise and the, and the learned, but taking him at his word. How do we grow in dependence? We take him at his word. If he says he's going to be with us for all, all the end, until the end of the age, we take him at his word. If he says that he's going to heal the sick through us, we take him at his word. We practice until we see it manifest. If he says he's going to release life through us and words of life to all around us, we practice, we speak words of life, we step out in faith. We're dependent, we receive his faith, and then we activate it. Simple really, isn't it? Incredibly difficult at the same time to be dependent upon him. But that's what we've been called. Blessed are those are the poor in spirit. This is the inevitable, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Humble yourself like a little child. Become dependent. You'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. All of heaven will speak of you and tell of how amazing that you are as you humble yourself and depend upon your heavenly daddy. And you gaze into heaven for wisdom and strategy and you receive from the word all that you need and you live in his freedom and his joy as he touches your heart and renews your mind. What an epic life. What an epic, joyful life. I want to invite you to stand.